Uh, hello, welcome to Shoot the Piano Player, a French New Wave podcast. This way, this episode is a uh, replacement thing because originally I wanted to do either a uh, Antonio Margheriti gothic horror movie or marriage Italian style, uh, Sophia Loren. Uh, Mastriani, uh, sex mm-hmm. comedy thing, but uh, I reached, but I kind of realized, well, I'd rather just watch something that's goofy and fun right now. Even I do like the Italian sex comedies for the most part, but I wanted to have goofy fun instead of uh, other stuff because, like, I'm a, I'm kind of tired of horror movies as a in general, and. We, we're going to talk about Marcello enough. He's going to come up in uh, at least one or two upcoming things. So, um, mm-hmm. and I remember, uh, so I, so I realized Man from Rio was streaming. And I was like, well, I, this is going to be an excuse to finally watch this. And, uh, uh, this movie is a blast. It's so much fun. Yeah. I'm Joel. Um, <laughs> no, <excuse me. clears throat> Uh, yeah, I mean, this was, I'm, I'm always weary of, like, trying a com- a comedy from a foreign language, and, of course, we only get, like, the, the really good ones on this, over here, thankfully, but, first, yeah, I, I was not expecting this to be so good and entertaining, like, you're talking about, uh, Belmonto doing his own stunts to yeah. me. Um, man, there are some crazy, awesome stunts in there. Yeah, and it's like the, you know, it's, it's, it's like the, the gen, genuine sense of danger. It's like, oh, he's oh, he's actually on the edge of a hotel, and, he, and there's nothing holding him there besides his 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 body. Yeah, or the tightrope going, or not tightrope, but what whatever that wire he was trying to cross. There were oh, two yeah. of them. And then the one dropped from his feet. Yeah, that was... Th- th- those segments were genuinely, like... <laughs> I know he was going to live, but it's like, Jesus Christ, I didn't expect it to be this intense. <laughs> yeah. I uh, no. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm kind of really glad... I, I won't put this on on the level of Judex, because Judex is joyful and unfun on a whole different wavelength and is like more of a uh like a movie mm-hmm. movie where this is just like kind of uh, popcorn fun which is perfectly valid yeah i mean it's seriously entertaining the story is silly you know but what would you compare it to because part of it is like well it kind of feels like spy thriller but then it also kind of feels like Indiana Jones shenanigans. Uh, I'd say James Bond, but if James Bond was uh, cooler, that's impossible. Okay, like I like the Connery era Bond. It's has some obvious problems, but Connery would never do his own stunts like this. Yeah, well, I mean, they probably told him that he couldn't. <laughs> in some cases, and Bill Mondo wasn't doing all of the airplane stunts. There's definitely shots of um, 
close-up shots of him where you couldn't see the top or the bottom. So you know, turn on a big fan to make it look like that. And then the... <laughs> I mean, it's they're doing all the fancy plane stunts in this movie. Somebody's the pilot climbs out onto the wing and then like hangs from it at one point and stuff like that. It's like it's nuts. That that was probably a little bit too risky. Yeah, but I saw some people compare like this movie outside of like the James Bond thing, also with like the the travel log of showing you a foreign land and the you know, kind of the lazy racist things that come with that whole, uh, like, subgenre things, but, um... Yeah, not not too much, but, like, yeah, a dash. Yeah, enough. It's, like, still has that colonizer attitude of, like, I don't know, like, we'll have some dark-skinned people play a, be important, but not, but not that many. Only a couple. I like that kid. Yeah, that kid's great. This is Uh, but yeah, so yeah, Sir uh, Winston, yeah, and uh, so like this is Philippe de Broca from our, like he did like the ma- mainstreamy French like action fun movies it, at the time from from what I understand, and he did uh, what's that story? I think it's Three Must Three Musketeers or. Something called On Guard. He did. Oh, I think it was Three Musketeers uh, with uh, Belmondo. That, according to Pink Smoke guys, both Chris and John say it's uh, not worth tracking down. Says you. It's not even in his like top twenty of his popular movies. Or maybe maybe it's. <laughs> oh, I'm looking at that director. talking about the director yeah this is your fault yeah like like he's a guy i wish more of his movies were available over here because i I don't think this is the exception because he has made a whole career of like doing these kind of fun action romps but but i didn't i've had a busy day i was out and about for most of the day uh most of it watching an indian movie in a theater, which took up three hours of of my time, so I didn't look it up. But I, just watching this, I I I this looks like the type of thing that um Godard and Truffaut and those guys would be would have been dismissive of, because it was kind of hidden ish for a long time, harder to find. Uh, it, I it was around, but wasn't like something that was super available. And the fact that like Cartierian has never done or a release or anything kind of speaks to maybe this was like one of the mainstream French movies. They were like, Oh no, this isn't real cinema. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it would be like, um, no, I, I'm trying to think of an American equivalent. Like, or I mean, part of it feels like a Jackie Chan movie without the fighting, except for there is one part where she's fighting, but it's, it's comical. I like how yeah. the the beer was his, you know, uh, <laughs> beer was his strength as like spinach is to Popeye. Beer is to Belmondo as spinach is to Popeye. Yeah, and I, yeah, I just I've been going through the Jackie Chan movies on Criterion Channel. Uh, like Fierce Hy- Hyena is really good. I heard the sequel's garbage, so I'm kind of avoiding that. 
Um, Do you have any Shakespeare in there? I don't know. They should cast Jackie Chan in a Shakespeare movie. Is Fearless Hyena a Shakespeare reference? No, no. I'm just making a joke. Oh, okay. Because he's on the Criterion channel. And people assume they only have classy stuff. They have they have the police story, cop story, yeah, police story, Poli- police story, yeah. I saw the first one which was really good, but a, a trend I've noticed with Jackie Chan, well, slash the Hong Kong movies of the air is, they're, uh, they like rape jokes. Yeah, they do. Yeah, and it's I'm not I'm not I'm not shaming the movie. It's just like oh, that's just a cultural thing that they were, totally okay with, and it's. It strikes me as a little strange, and not it. It, it doesn't like it doesn't it doesn't fully detract from everything, but it's always jarring when it comes up. Like, oh yeah, I, I should know to expect this by now. Mm-hmm. You have something to say Wednesday? Wednesday. Yeah, but uh. I saw, I was looking up some reviews of this, and someone said this is the connector between, like, uh, uh, like, Jacques Tati, uh, like, Silent, Silent Stars, Jacques Tati, this, then you have Jackie Chan, in terms of, like, these, like, because this, uh, because Man from Rio, that Man from Rio, really feels like a silent movie, because there are, like, full-on segments where it's, like, there's just no dialogue, and it's just... And it's just like, watch Belmondo do a crazy stunt. Yeah. I mean, he's been hilarious in the movie, too. Like, uh, him and uh, Fran- Francois Dolach. Yeah. Who, every, I mean, I'm still sad when I see her movies. And like, in this movie, she, she's playing a role I haven't seen before. You know, just... I think she's supposed to be like a museum genius but sometimes she's still doing the stereotypical uh doofy lady kind of stuff but like it just it just looked like it was so much fun yeah uh, it's you know it's it's, just a, it's like this is a boilerplate like you you know what the what the movie's going to be like at, with like the stolen museum stuff blah 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 like it doesn't matter like i like that the movie has a sense of like yeah, we all know what the plot is, but that's not the point. Watch Belmondo and her have so much chemistry together, and, and, and like, their scenes are like a, a uh, like screwball comedy, and then you get like you know the and everything else, and it's like it packs so much into a like to me like a, a like a breezy movie that goes by really fast. That at the end, I was like, I I wish there was more of this. I wish this was a, a whole series. <laughs> I have some, uh, I have a couple of beefs that I have, well, uh, just just one main beef that I have to talk about in relation to another movie compared to this movie. Indiana Jones? Uh, no. I think you've heard me uh, praise A Cult is My Passport, you know, Joe Shishido mm-hmm. as like a gangster movie. Yeah. Several times. And that one blew me away. I remember when I was like, oh my god, this this movie's like practically perfect for me, was at the end when Wait, he's... Wait, that the one with the shootout where they're running? 
Um, I don't know. Which one do I think? No, that's a different game. Never mind. Continue. But well, this one at the end, um, Joshishito's like getting ready to meet with somebody he knows is probably going to try to kill him, and they start racing, uh, driving a car right at him. But he had actually got to the place before the meeting had taken place and thought that that was going to happen. So he had dug a ditch that he jumped into and the car actually goes over Joe Shishido. And I was just like, wow, I can't believe that. I'm not going to, I've never seen a stunt like that before. And then boom, that man from Rio, practically the same thing, except for Belmondo dodges like three cars. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I oh mean, the the stunt work in this is so good. Like, uh, like the the fact that he was one a a, a movie star and two being like, so game to like, yeah, I, I will do all this shit. Why not? Yep. It's just... You're gonna make a mess. Go away. Yeah, you know, it's like Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen any of the uh, Mission Impossible, but it. Impossible. Is it like multiple crazy stunts that Tom Cruise does, or is it like one or two he, super crazy things that he he does? I think lately, like the big thing is like he, he does like one huge stunt that's like oh my god, like holding onto the side of a plane as it's as it's taking off, and um, oh, climbing on the side of that mm-hmm. that tallest building in the world, in um. Uh, United Arab Emirates? No, I don't remember what's it's uh, somewhere I, over that yeah, way. I know what you're talking about. Can't remember where it is either. Yeah, but he does like the uh, in like this either the last one or the second to last one that came out. He was doing all his motorcycle stunts and things like that. But I, I, you know, I don't know. Okay, because I, I, I've been on the verge of like I. Should, finally watch a Mission Impossible. But it's as one knows it will be around. I, there's no there's no threat of them disappearing anytime soon. Yeah, that's my attitude towards almost any movie that gets released now time or nowadays because they they do get releases, digital or uh physical disc releases and like all these older movies yeah. Because they're owned by whatever company. Sometimes you only have like a week out of a month to catch them. Yeah, and like that's why like I'd rather see like Indian movies in the theater because I know it's gonna be literally for here one week, and that's it. And I have to catch it in that one week, or wait till uh, uh, yeah. But like anyway, I forgot we're going with that. Besides, like um. Like like Top Gun Maverick, that's gonna be around for a while. I don't have no, tr- I, I won't have to worry about that disappearing. But like, you know, various other smaller, not smaller, but like non-major Hollywood movies, like, like, you know, like the certain movies are gonna disappear from streaming at a certain point. But you know, like Top Gun Maverick, it's gonna be easy to find for a long time, mm-hmm. unless you know, like. Uh, the studios collapse or whatever, but that's not going to happen anytime soon. Yep. Not with all those NFTs they own. Yeah, I finally understand NFTs. I saw a meme that said NFTs are beanie babies 
for people who get mad when they're women in Star Wars. So now I, I think I understand what they are now. Beanie babies are for people who get <laughs> just kidding. I don't know. Yeah, that's good good enough explanation. I think it's just um it's it's the equivalent of that economics game that some of us had to play on computers when we took it in high school. Uh sure. I don't know what you're talking about. You missed out. But uh, if you're listening to this and you and uh, you're curious, Vikram is a very fun uh, Indian action movie, and I cried at one point because uh, a pivotal plot point is uh, the bad guy wants to steal a baby, and uh, yeah, and there's some like kind of goofy stuff there. It's like they clearly use a doll, but you know what? It, it's it's so melodramatic. You don't. I didn't even care. Because, you know, a baby's life was on the line. And it was uh, fully earned. Singing? What? <laughs> when the baby's life was on the line. Oh, yeah. It, it wasn't like the that Clint Eastwood movie where it's like they're holding a baby and clear it all. This is like, oh no, we're like, this is something you cannot do with a baby ethically in a movie so we have to use a doll <laughs> right we're all lining up to see that one yeah uh but uh okay so uh uh so uh my my very very basic research uh allegedly uh spielberg cites Manish from rio as an influence an influence on Indiana Jones. Yeah, I'm not surprised, especially with all that vine swinging. <laughs> Even it's it's kind of difficult to like talk about all the different stunts because this movie's almost like nonstop once it starts going. Like Belmondo is a soldier who's on leave to go see um, not his girlfriend, but you know somebody he's into. Um, that just happens to be the daughter of a person that went on an expedition <laughs> to find these uh, ancient, fake, made-up Native, uh, not Native American, it sounded like South American tribe thing. I think Native American still counts. Yeah, I mean... South I Americans see, are, I, are, are Americans. I don't even think... I don't even know what the preferred nomenclature is for that is them because, true. You know, well, anyways, it's made up. That's the thing. And um, so when Belmondo goes, like, somebody had just broken into the museum and stolen one of the statues, and the police were around, but there was guys in these suits that, like, kidnapped the, his uh, not-girlfriend, you know, uh, Francois de Lorc. Dorlec. Dorlec. I'm not, I don't speak French. I'm never sure how to say that last name. Agnes Villermosa is the character's name. I'm going to call her Agnes from now on. Yeah, well, the correct French way you don't say, you say it like Agnes. Agnes, something like that. Agnes. I'm, I'm anyway. going to say Agnes. It's easier just, to say. It's got an yeah. emphasis on the E, so it's Agnes. 
Yeah, uh, French with a stupid language. This has been French language. with Spencer. It's a dumb language, but... Uh, Didn't you just see, reach some uh, uh, hmm? milestone? 700 days. 700 days, and he still will not try to speak it out loud. <laughs> no. That's, that's uh, going on two years, right? Uh, yeah. Yes, two yeah. almost two years. Yep, I, th I think. Uh, yes, yeah, like, I don't know. If you reach three, I think you actually get French citizenship. Oh, great! Uh, I'll I'll move over there. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm definitely feel like I want to move over there, except uh, the terrorist attacks that go on. Anyway, so they kidnap her, and as she's being kidnapped. Pelmado is looking out the window at Caesar, so he jumps out the window to try to get her and steals a cop's motorcycle, and then we have kind of a long chase sequence, and like it just keeps on going for a while. That that uh, the sequence at the airport, mm -hmm. I was laughing so hard at the old man, <laughs> the wheelchair, the general. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's like. Yeah, it, like it's such a Jackie Chan moment, of yep. like this, this whole like the whole vibe of this like really, like I feel like Jackie Chan saw this and was like, oh, I have to, I have to do this, but three times as as intense. Uh, what, like, I'm trying to think of who's a physical comedy person in the U.S. and the only thing I could think of was Jim Carrey, but I can't see him doing this. No, because we don't have. Uh, like a film industry built around like your uh, people who do crazy stunts. They're not the stars. Yep. And I feel like Hollywood is a little more like we want to protect our stars. Where you're Hong Kong in the seventies, eighties, well, probably earlier than that too. But like seventies, they were like, eh, fuck it, who cares? Like, l lets us go crazy. Mm -hmm. Which, on one hand, I appreciate like the craziness of those movies, but also on the other hand, I I'm glad they're safety measures, so people don't die and get seriously injured nearly as much as they used to. Yeah. There's probably. Oh, what movie is this? Major? Have you heard of that movie? The Indian movie. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I had to pick that or uh, Vikram, but Major. Uh, Major's like uh, it's one of the propaganda ones about a terrorist attack or something mm. uh, a big theme of the big bombastic Indian movie action movies is like they're just like nationalistic, nationalistic propaganda but I don't care because like there's there's so much fun and so bombastic it it like I, I'm not over there I don't I don't have the full context of what it what it fully means, but I can recognize. Yeah. Oh, this is propaganda, <laughs> pure and simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that one Japanese movie. <laughs> it's like literally like destroy the U.S. Actually, we had more than one because we had we also watched an anime, <laughs> like one of the first ones. Yeah, and the Kurosawa ones are propaganda. Mm. But those had those had fun judo sequences. And and Setsuko Hara was in one of them. Oh, yeah. So good. Oh, yeah, that was a, a propaganda movie. 
And that's why I was convinced to join the other side. Yeah. And don't forget Casablanca was a propaganda movie too. Definitely. Yeah, it's propaganda, propaganda against the French. No, wait. I only saw it once. I don't... I, I remember it more because of, uh, like, culture than... Because I was only half paying attention when I was watching it. Well, they definitely say that the Nazis are bad in it. That is true. If... I, I was watching it for uh, the little man with the weird voice. What's his name? He's not in it nearly as much as I was, I was hoping. Uh, mm. With the weird bug eyes. The character actor. Oh, yes, yes, yes. You're talking about um, guy from M. Yes. Anyways, can't remember. Yeah, famously had horrible breath. <laughs> I don't want to be famous for any of my bodily anythings. Well, he has, apparently had fucked up teeth, too, allegedly. Yeah, he did. I mean, you look at him. Yeah. I remember there's that person in blonde and black lace who looks like an Italian version of him. Which uh leads to questions like did does he have a did he have like a, a, a bastard child in Italy? It's I mean it's plausible. Oops. That's why I'm gonna contact the Italian authorities to get to the bottom of this. Okay. I think his, he yeah. has a daughter Peter who lives... Pierre Lori. There we go. And he has a daughter who lives in the U.S. Who I believe is still alive. Maybe? She'd be pretty old by this point if she's, if she's still alive. Yeah. Oh, you... Hmm. Yeah, because like, he is... He'd be over 100 if he was still alive, so she would probably be... Probably not. I think he would be over 100. Oh, him? Yeah, yeah, he was born in 1904. Yeah, and she's probably uh, like grandpa grandparents' age. I mean, 1904 is 116, 17, 18? Something like uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where are we going with this? Oh. Uh, I love that... Okay, I, I mean, Mansion Rio, the, the plot and theme, theme stuff, it, it's all, like, it's mostly immaterial. It's just fun moments. It's this, it feels in some ways like um, Young Girls of Rochefort, where it's like, it, it's it's boilerplate. You know what it is. It's all, it's playing up on all the, like, uh, generic plot devices that if you watch movies you're familiar with, it just does it in the most delightful way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... What do I want to say? Uh, yeah, I mean, the story's as silly as, like, an episode of the Batman live-action show from the whatever era that was. Yeah, you know, it's 60s. It's like somebody stole the thing. But, you know, Batman's not doing crazy stunts like that. At least I, I, don't, I don't remember. Uh, uh, what's his face? Yeah, I don't, I don't th yeah, probably not. Yeah, and it's like things like uh like action movie th uh tropes that uh I am well actually there I I've only seen parts of Indiana Jones movies. I've seen the stunt show several times at Disney World 
I've never been seen a full movie. But does he ever punch anyone and it hurts his hand so he has to figure out other ways to, like, beat them? Like happens in uh, A Man from Rio? I don't think so. He definitely punches somebody who, like, doesn't react like the A Man from Rio. But that's it. I mean, I've seen that before. I mean that that's the like a Jim Carrey thing, like ah, I'm gonna punch you and then oh my hand, my freaking balls. Oh. Yeah. Uh that bar scene was great. It's it's <laughs> that was so dark when they were just like like basically water bordering like, boarding that other guy. Yeah, I love that I the was guy's... Like, is he gonna ditch him? <laughs> <laughs> And it's like how he quickly abandons him. Like he goes to save him and he saves him. He's like, okay, great. You're on your own. And it's just treated as like, you know, that, that, that kind of like a little in June X where it's like a plot point happens and then they move on to the next thing. Uh, like, and, and they don't really address like the after aftermath of like whatever that thing was. It's like, yeah, whatever. Let's just move on to the next plot point. And not explore this, explore the, the, what this, what, like, what would happen later with whatever you did. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's no depth to okay. it. Yeah. And it's like, this the bar fight. It's, it's, uh, yeah, that, uh, just like his drunk acting, his, like, him being, like 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 the Popeye moment, all of it just comes together so great, and just yeah, the, the constant tease of he's trying to escape, and then he gets thrown further into the room. It's so like he is flying through the air. That the part where he does go in finally to save the guy, and it's got the sack over his head at that point, and you know he just rushes in, and he he does kind of like tackle a couple of them, a uh, couple of them, but when they stand up. All of a sudden, you see him get <laughs> thrown through the air into some boxes <laughs> nearby from getting pushed so hard. Like people, people getting like their feet literally pulled out from under them while doing that. It's like that's a stunt I respect. <laughs> Gets me every time. Yeah, and happen like the car explosion after a car rolls down the side of a hill <laughs> and Didn't explodes. Even roll very far. <laughs> yeah. Roll like seven times and you know a little bit down the hill <laughs> yeah, and the Very whole time good. i don't think that happened in second breath Cause i remember second breath a car does roll downhill i can't remember if it if, if it explodes or not um i think it does but not like a not like a huge explosion yeah it's more more sub more subtle this is like more like like a roger corman Cause like that was a big thing in like the seventies exploitation movies and a lot of eighties action movies. Like it's just such a staple to the point. It's like, I, that's like, uh, I wonder, it probably goes like earlier in this, but this is the earliest one I've seen of car roll downhill and explode for no reason. Mm-hmm. All that driving stuff kept making me think of, um, oh crap, what's the name of the movie with uh, Michael Caine, with all the car stuff, yeah, Michael you're Caine. only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. 
and it got remade with like Mark Wahlberg and Edward Norton and uh, oh Italian job yes the Italian job the the original one has a lot of fun stunt driving like they're not trying to be slick and cool they're just like doing their job in fact, it has a really dorky, <laughs> like, mem- some, some sort of, like, adult men whatever mm-hmm. membership thing. I don't know. Is, and they keep singing something that sounds like a um, like a cheer song at a high school over <laughs> and over again. And, like, for some reason, it just fits what's going on because it's goofy. And this, yeah, this, this had that touch going on, too. Yeah, and I mentioned this with the screwball comedy sensibility of, of whenever Belmondo and uh, Francois are together, and they, and she's like this, you know, uh, high maintenance, very, uh, like, like a uh, like upper class type of woman who's used to certain things, and he's just uh, in lust with her, but like, but their chemistry is is so much fun, and it doesn't feel uh like uh i'm trying to think how i say this like like uh, a dynamic like that can it if the chemistry is off it can just feel annoying or like the man is presented too annoyed or the woman's presented too annoying yeah but like but like when chemistry works like here it just feels like organic even though this is like a you know a uh, heightened movie thing. Yeah. Actors. Yeah, they really they 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 really perform off each other well. I was I was so happy watching Francois like dancing. I think there's like two different scenes where she's dancing, but the the scene where they're still with the uh poor people <laughs> in, <laughs> in uh Rio and she's she's moving her moving her feet the same way they are, you know, just dancing to that music i was like that is so cool and i almost thought belmondo was gonna do it and he was like no you hold me back (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay i've seen that gif before and it's like oh this is so delightful and uh and sir and sir winston like uh isn't i was thinking because i know which which indiana jones has a kid in it like i was thinking like is he like uh, yeah Temple of Doom. Yeah. Is that the Jonathan... What's his name? Jonathan he, Taylor Thomas. No, wasn't he and that kid and like, everywhere, everything all at once? Yes. Yeah, he's the, the dad in it. He's also in Goonies. Yeah. Uh, but like, isn't he like that type of archetype, like the super smart kid who assists like the... Indian, like, do you think Indiana Jones Simple Doom is referencing this movie with that type of character, or is this like oh, a stock thing? Can you some stories? You know, the funny thing is, I've seen this character, but I think there are movies that come later. Um, one of the episodes of Please Don't Send Me Outer Space was Return from Witch Mountain, which is a mm-hmm. sequel to Escape. It's got Christopher Lee in it. If that uh, makes anybody else want to watch it, I mean, he um, appear in anything. Yeah. Maybe. Might as well. Yeah. And uh, the at one point the the two main leads run into a bunch of rambunctious kids and they're you know they're like street smart they know all these things. That's a trope to me. Short round is not 
I mean, he knows some things, like, because you don't want to just make him the comedy relief child character for some reason, but... In fact, I don't even... I gotta rewatch that movie, because <laughs> I'm like, I know Short Round was there. What did he do other than make jokes? But he's amazing in uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, I've never... I've never seen Goonies, uh, like pretty much the all eighties, like uh, the like I don't know, like kid canon movies that you're supposed to see, quote unquote yeah. supposed to see. I've never seen. Oh, I don't think you need to bother. I mean, Goonies is what like almost forty something years old. Yeah, yeah. It's not you know that it's not canon. It's just special to to. Millennials and Gen X, I would guess. Yeah, I mean, I never heard of, like, I grew up in the era of the Ernest movies, but I never heard of them until I was, like, uh, until I was like, uh, I think I was twenty. Because yeah. my friends were talking about the Ernest movies, and he asked me, "What's what's your favorite favorite Ernest movie?" And I was like, "I don't, I don't know what you guys are talking about," and they could not fathom someone not growing up on the Ernest movies. Yep, it's impossible. Yeah, I mean, I had the same thing with Archie comics. I never heard. I thought Kevin Smith made up Archie for that gay movie he did. <laughs> what are you talking about? You know the part in the that gay movie he did in the nineties? They talk about Archie being gay or something. That one at aged really weirdly. I have no idea what you mean. Um, the lesbian movie he did that's kind of weird oh you're talking about um yeah chasing amy yeah i thought that was yeah. me up for the movie like archie comics and then like two years later after i saw it my friends were talking about archie and i was like wait that's real i i thought oh, that was me was... uh, yeah i thought comes with made that up <laughs> no the, the only one was made up was the one that they were presenting as their work and oh, okay now there are comics of uh Blunt man and whatever. Yeah, and I, I, I didn't get the Riverdale joke on The Simpsons until the Riverdale show happened. <laughs> Stay out of Riverdale. <laughs> yeah. Like no, I, there, I mean, I just rewatched some of the older uh, Simpsons mm-hmm. episodes. I think I started in like season four. And there were so many references. I was like, oh, now I know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I went through it like maybe eight years ago, eight or nine years ago. And it was this revelatory of like, this is how I learned so much pop culture from Mm -hmm. like the 60s, from like the fifties to like, uh, my childhood years in the nineties. Like that's how I learned who, who Bronson was Mm -hmm. like, and I think the, like the, you know, the classic thing that every Simpsons fan says, like I, I didn't know citizen Kane was the Bobo episode. Until I saw Citizen Kane, I was like, holy shit. They love Citizen Kane, because that gets referenced a whole lot in the show. Yeah. No, they definitely do. I think there might even be like a... not Besides the one you were just talking about, Bobo, like a straight-up like Citizen Kane with, with Bart or something <laughs> stupid. Lisa. Or Nelson. Probably not Nelson. Yeah, why are we talking about The Simpsons? I don't know. Uh, 
<laughs> because we really like this movie, and we, other than describing what was going on, yeah. I, I, they had like good action camera work. Like I'd say, comparable to you know those Burt Reynolds car movies and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Really, really watching, getting good shots of the stunts. I only noticed a couple of times where it was like an obvious cut for a second. Um, and I, I probably wouldn't even seen those if it wasn't in HD. But yeah, I mean, uh, I Bert didn't do his own stunts either. Like he was, uh, I'm I'm sure more uh, very concerned about making sure that the money maker is intact and and not you know he didn't not uh, get injured and be out commissioned for any amount of time. Mm. Are we gonna watch the one with the uh, Catherine Deneuve? Which one? That is a Mississippi Mermaid, directed by Francois Truffaut. Also, it's John Belmont, John Paul Belmondo, and uh, Catherine Deneuve. Probably not. You son of a goat! If you wanted to cover it, then yes, but I am in no Absolutely. big rush to cover it. You you know who picks the movies in this show? You can pick Santa it if you Claus. want to. <clears throat> no, I'm fine. Okay. I picked the Chantel Ackerman, which we haven't got to yet. Yeah, and the guest person I asked has not responded still, so... I don't worry about it. We'll find somebody. Okay. But, uh... Ah, uh, man. This movie, like, uh... This movie's so much fun. But the, the whole extended sequence in a white tux, that whole chase, which... Like, the, like the way it's, it's filmed to show his physicality is very like it it feels like a Jacques Tati type setup of like a, a whole lot of silence and it's just the physical performance and because uh, yeah. it does this weird mix of like silent set like uh, physical performance minimal dialogue and then there's like um, a screwball comedy dialogue like screwball, screwball comedy uh sensibility and then they suddenly switch to like a classic like a classic adventure uh you know evil uh like uh, like evil villain stuff and it's it it all merges so well together it never feels clunky at any point yep i just say i had incredible adhd today and i watched the movie so i i wasn't hooked in the whole time and I think it was just a bad day on my part because every time I looked up at the screen, I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. So uh, there probably are some lulls just where they're, um, I'm not talking about laugh out louds, uh, where like some more of dialogue is being delivered about the plot. What is that called? Exposition? Exposition. Thank you very much. Yeah. A bunch of, you know, little exposition scenes about why the statues or who's did this the way when they get to the rich guy's house and he decides to have a quote-unquote impromptu party Mm -hmm. they like he's like oh i haven't introduced you to my wife and they like present her and i could have the way they present her i was like oh she's in on this whatever it is it's like no for some reason she just gets like a special introduction after we'd already (laughs) seen her yeah, because, you know, um, I mean, yeah, aside from like, you know, so physical, the physical 
stunts and like the funness of it. This movie's just like see Belmondo be hot, see Francois be hot, see uh the silver fox rich guy, see his hot wife. You know, like it's it's very much like this everyone is really attractive. It's aesthetically pleasing. You know, and and in, in that big party, like Belmondo looks better than any James Bond in a tux ever. Period. Yep. Yep. Well, I don't know. Uh, yeah. He looks uh, better. Let me let me think about this. Um I mean Pierce Brosnan, man, come on. That guy was making making God's mold. That is true. That's, he was cursed with uh, the broccolis. I'm not getting into this. I like the uh, '90s ones for the most part, but uh, I they, mean they're they weren't a bad. They fall apart. Hmm. They fall apart like most of the this you know uh, same actor series too. Yeah, and the and the families didn't know what to do anymore because Austin Powers. And well, first off, the first one wasn't that big of a hit initially. It was just in uh, rental sales and mm-hmm. uh, video sales, and the second one was like the big theater hit. But uh, like that kind of that and Mission Impossible made made them go like, oh, people have caught up to caught up with us. What do we do now? So that's why the Bronson ones are dead, uh, devolve and get notably worse because they're mm-hmm. just so confused trying to figure out like what. What are we supposed to do now since Mission Impossible and Awesome Powers are doing better than what we created? Well, I decided to reboot. That's, I really, I, we shouldn't get into this, but uh, yeah. the, for, when I think about Daniel Craig's James Bond run, mm-hmm. I get upset because it went from gritty reboot, which everyone probably was like, ooh, whatever, to goofy <laughs> uh, yeah well Man. I've had record I like Goofy Bond more is my guy uh, I don't like serious grumpy gritty Bond not a fan I want it goofy and silly got your Goofy Bond right here I'm playing people right, like threatening violence playing people like Craig it's just too serious and mopey I want I want silliness and fun oh, okay so that's why I, that's why I love Moonraker Great villain, yep. the the guy My, uh, Michael Lawndale, who showed up in a couple mm-hmm. movies we talked about, the creepy priest in Murder to Heart, and he's one of the one of the evil guys in Broadway Black. He, part, he must have been dubbed in that Bond movie because I don't think he had an accent. Yeah. But. <sighs> yeah. So the the evil plan in Man from Rio. Uh, I wrote down for that incel logic because it turns into like, oh, I'll have all this diamonds and money, so then you can love me, and it's like, oh, so th- this anyway, that just felt like incel logic. Yeah, I mean, she she seemed like she was into him the first time they like meet up when after the museum gets broken into. It's like, hey doofus, you don't gotta be rich if that's your if your entire goal is to get rich so that she will love you, even though she was, you know, your uh <clears throat> your friend's <laughs> five year old daughter when you first met her. Uh yeah. I think she's okay with it. Yeah, and uh there's a moment not sure if you've ever watched the Eric Andre show. 
Nope. Do you know what the intros of the show are like? No, I have no idea. Okay, so it's basically a parody of a talk show where Eric, Andre, will interview. In the first few seasons, it's quote-unquote celebrities, but it's people impersonating celebrities. Like he had Mm. Jay-Z and Beyonce, but Jay-Z was a short, old Asian man, and Beyonce was a black woman who clearly was not Beyonce. (laughs) Stuff like that. (laughs) And then he had actual celebrities on, like, uh, 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 Jeanette McCarty, McCurdy from iCarly, and she was uh, notably... uh, upset <laughs> but that's kind of like the whole thing uh, of the show like he just makes people very uncomfortable in interviews and every show started with like this montage of him doing crazy stunts and uh like cutting off his own head and stuff like that and then he runs to his to his seat and this and he's tired and wiped out and he just like pants and and like is trying to catch his breath and the end of this movie, when Belmondo finally catches up with um, Francois, and he's and he's trying to catch his breath, and she's like, "Okay, we're good. We're done here. We can leave." It's very much like an Eric Andre uh, show opening. Hmm. He was inspired by this. Tweet well, at him. Hold on. It's it's plausible because like, I'm pretty sure they they've seen daisies because there's a whole in, there's a part one intro that references the part in daisies where they cut off their heads and the body is what the mm-hmm. running with the scissors. There's some other fairly uh, I'm pretty sure direct movie references they did in the intro to that show. Yeah, but yeah, uh, so it's like her reaction when we know when when they finally are done, and he's like, <sighs> and she's like, "Why are you so tired? We gotta leave." <laughs> like it, it's it's so much fun. But then, yeah. the funniest part to me in the whole movie was the very end when he catches up to his to his buddy, and his friends like, "Do you won't believe what happened? I got stuck in stuck in traffic for three hours." And Pomander says, man, what an adventure. <laughs> it is an adventure. <clears throat> All right. I mean, uh, that's one of those, like, perfect endings. Like, <laughs> he'll never know that I slept with his sister. No, what? No, no, that's not yeah. what he said. Yeah, and... Uh... Oh, during like the beer Popeye moment, there's a bell ring when he drinks uh, the beer and gets his energy back. <laughs> Not sure if you noticed that, but it's a really funny detail. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. The pop spinach to beer. Oh, yeah. Because he drinks it and then all of a sudden, like, a single punch is taking everybody out. Yeah, and uh, what else was there? Uh, oh, I got nothing else. This movie, like, I want to see more Belmondo action movies. I wish he was James Bond. Or yeah, did some... just look. Sorry. No, no, you go. go ahead. Okay. Uh, I wish he was. I was... <laughs> <laughs> you go. I wish he would have been James Bond for at least one movie, because then, I feel like he, he would most charming Bond. Period. Because. Like, 
Connery has charm to him, but it's charm like, but if you don't submit to him, he's gonna beat the shit out of you type charm. And you know, Belmondo is generally like, you know, like a goofy, affable, likable dude. Who, uh, yeah, yeah. But once again, I I say, uh, what's his name? Who? Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, that's a he can charm movie. the pants out of you. Yeah, just you know, his movies weren't the best for you know. I know, I understand. I will defend Tomorrow Never Dies though. That 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 one's great in my opinion. And because it's got that actress in it. Uh, Michelle Yeoh. Wait, no, is she in that one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, jeez. Been a lot of Michelle Yeoh recently. Very happy. I'm I'm just looking through my uh, letterbox thing. I mm-hmm. put it by action movie, and I'm just trying to find another foreign comedy that isn't uh, Hong Kong. That or uh, English. That I thought was funny. But uh, are we doing the year here? I guess so. Let's see. Uh, this is the year of Gate of Flesh, my favorite Seijun Suzuki film. It's the Gate one that, um, it's, well, the Suzuki one is a remake, a color remake of a 40s movie, and then it was remade again as a miniseries in the 70s or 80s, and again, they got remade again as another miniseries, like, 10 years ago. But the 60s one is the only one that's easily available over here, and it's wonderful. It's a good indicator of uh, uh, if you're going to like Suzuki or not. Uh, it's not as weird as the ones that followed it, but it's weirder than the ones you started out with, and it's like a good middle ground of stylistically, uh, if, if, if you're into it, then you'll like everything else, but if you're not into it, you might not Suzuki might might not be your guy. That's always my problem. Hmm? You should watch uh, all these women. Ingmar Bergman. It it's a you know it's his movie, but he's he made it to make fun of uh, Federico Fellini. Is hmm. his movies is always like I got I got a mistress, I got this other person, I got my wife. My ex-wife. How my mother. Mm-hmm. Everybody's all up on me. And I always, I remember I hadn't seen any Fellini when I watched all these women. And then afterwards, I was like, why does this feel so familiar? That's what I was watching, like, uh, eight and a half. Hmm. Like, oh, I missed the joke. Yeah, Berg. Uh, oh, we've did, done. Did you? Mm-hmm. We've not seen it before. But um, have you seen the, the any of the uh, the interview published interview that uh, I think Playboy did with um, uh, Orson Welles later in life? I think it was in in the seventies or eighties, where he was talking shit about other directors. No, and but he, I'm familiar with it. Oh, um, he trashes Bergman in it, but. Some of the takedowns I don't understand. Some of them are generally really funny. 
the one yeah. for Antonioni was if movies are just a background for models to be beautiful, then Antonioni is the best. <laughs> Sometimes they are, okay. <laughs> Sometimes the most important part is the landscape. Uh, I Somewhere guess Somewhere in so. Italy that looks like the desert. <laughs> He's not wrong. I think I've got... I've got one uh, 1964 that I'm not sure I've ever talked about because I was just okay on the movie. Uh, do you remember recommending the movie The Gladiators to us when we were doing Please Don't Send Me in Outer Space? Uh, the Swedish? That's Swedish? I can't remember. Uh, no, it's... What language is it? Details. I know. Uh, it's got a bunch of It's got English, German, Chinese, French, Swedish, and the director is a British person. Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember now. And the, the, yeah. that it's the only feature movie where Niger- where any African people play an important part because the Nigerians are there too. Yeah. He seemed to be somebody who wanted to really send a message that way because. He has another one, which I'm definitely going to mispronounce because I believe these people are Scottish. It's it's C-U-L-L-O-D-N, or O-D-E-N, Colodin, but it's probably not how they say it, uh, from 64. And it's filmed the same way as Gladiators, where it's almost like reality TV, but it takes place... Uh, the the event that's happening is from 1746. So you're having these interviews with soldiers right before they're going to be viciously destroyed by the armies of Great Britain. And, um, you know, it's, it's just, I, I do like the idea of experiencing history in a, you know, almost in a first person kind of way. Kind of like gospel according to St. Matthew. Exactly. No, no. Cause that's a fictional character. That's a really good movie. Not the best Pasolini, but it's a really good. I thought, one. I thought it was okay. I didn't, was I on that episode? No, you weren't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, my opinion on that movie is that I thought the actors were incredibly wooden because of the lines that they had to deliver. It looked great for the most part, but you know when you're taking dialogue directly out of the Bible, it's going to sound like that. Yes, but did it make you feel... That movie makes me feel a lot of things. Because I like the very uh, uh, like docu- documentary, down-to-earth feel of... Like, this is what Jesus like was as a man. He was a radical in a, in a, in a land where he, was being per- where he would be persecuted for being a radical. Which you can extrapolate right. that into Pashlini's life. Because, you know, he was, yeah, 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 yeah. and, and, you know, it's he like, and political, you know, it's like being politically different in a play, you know, in, 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 well, in the, being politically, you know, leftist in it, in places where, you know, fascism exists and stuff like that. Yeah. Like it's a very uh, applicable, simple message and also showing Jesus was really rad and open-minded. It's probably what got him killed. Those people are crazy. I guess, but I want to say, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I am pro Jesus because like he was a radical, but the some long story short, the message has been perverted and 
tainted by other people through over years. I believe the manifestations of the prophets. And that's the best I can do. Okay. The, yeah, so. So you're mad right. on it. Got it. Yep. I mean, I, I wouldn't yeah. ever tell somebody not to watch it because I think it's very important. I'd rather see that than, like, Passion of the Christ again. I've never seen Passion of the Christ. Um, it's it's near real Gibson violent shit, but he's a man of peace. Uh, Greg, thank you. Cross country. <laughs> uh, I refuse to watch that movie. <laughs> yeah, I I would. I'm very disappointed, but like, before people were like straight up calling him like the director, fucking fascist. Uh, I remember reading a review from um, somebody who followed that's super interesting on Letterboxd. Um, hold on. Sorry. I want to I get people to follow this guy if they're not already following him. Where's my activity log? There it is. So you can appear anywhere? me yep might as well start closing it down yeah um i have a upcoming oh i have a grind bin coming up in uh three weeks on cyberjack aka virtual assassins aka uh what if die hard mixed with blade runner and it stars michael dudikoff and the villain is Brian James, who wasn't Blade Runner. I know who Brian James is. He's one of my favorite rest in peace actors. Yeah, he. Uh, I want to double. I want to make sure it was Brian Tango James. Tango Cash, The Fifth Element, and yep. Yeah, Brian James is the villain. It's, yeah, that's cool. Is he doing an accent? <laughs> I remember him quoting Shakespeare. He's playing. I mean, that guy's a great actor. I mean, you know, character actor-wise. Yeah. I, I really like, doubt he got to do anything where he was the lead. And uh, Michael Dudikoff is doing, you know, the Dudikoff thing. I think I really like Michael. I really do like Michael Dudikoff. I don't. Well, American Ninja movies are meh, but he's good in them. And uh, who's other guy who's in those movies? Steve James, rest in peace. Died far too young. He would have been a good... He was a really great action um, character actor. I don't think I have seen any Michael Dudikoff movies. I, I think the American Ninja movies are fun, but uh, it's can I'm not a big canon guy to begin with, but... Uh, there, it's standard canon to me, which is like it's fine, but it's not great. It, it's yeah. what it's watchable. Mm -hmm. So uh, the person on Letterbox that I was saying that everybody <clears throat> should be following is PD one eleven. Say is that his again. username. Can you say that again. P, the... as in Paul. D, as in dog. One, eight, seven. Okay. 
he, he watches a lot of obscure stuff, but he's seen so many like mainstream things too. He's, usually his reviews are like little funny things that either make sense or they don't like they, they always make sense, but you sometimes you have to know about what he, what his re- review is referring to. But I remember for the one for, um, uh, riot in jail block 99. Is that what it's called? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I can't remember the the prison one. That's super right wing. Yeah, yeah, which is a reference to another movie, Brawl and Cell Block ninety nine. Cell Block ninety nine. Brawl and Cell Block ninety nine. Cell Block ninety nine. Anyways, like the Devil and Cell Block D. That's a Daredevil storyline. I saw it. I was like, this is, like, I felt weird about him, Vin, <clears throat> Vince Vaughn, like, changing positions because <laughs> the cops were being fired at, like, putting himself in a place to get arrested. And, but I, I didn't, I couldn't, like, clarify my feelings on it. And, and, PD187's like review is so spot on. Like, I would read it, but uh, you should just go read it. Yeah, yeah. I remember really liking that movie and being like, recognizing like this feels very right wing and pro, and uh, like, you know, like pro conservative, pro fascist, but. Uh, the, the opposite of ACAB. Yeah. Uh, most of the time I can separate that stuff. Cause like, when you like action movies, you reach a point where you, when you realize a lot of the stuff is gleaned right wing. Oh, yeah. I mean, anybody who's avenging anybody's death, that's that's a that's a total right wing thing. Like, yeah. Well, I'm also smart enough to recognize, like, at the same time, it some. Sometimes it's intentional, like, like the, like the Death Wish movies are straight up. Well, the first, the first one thinks it's a liberal movie, but it really isn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the book is the movie. Uh, does a really, it's Michael Winter. He he does he can't do subtlety or interesting. I, he, he interesting uh, complex ideas particularly well, mm-hmm. but uh, you know like. Uh, I'm, you can be a com. People are complex. You can believe one thing and still enjoy media and stuff uh, that yeah. is politically not uh, what you what you what you agree with. As they say, people contain multitudes. Yeah, I love Rio You're... Bravo, but oh yeah, that's straight up. Did, didn't he make that in like opposition to High Noon? Yeah, because High Noon was too liberal. Yep. Too too communist. That's the most un-American thing I've ever seen. Yeah, and Howard Hawks was like, yeah, uh, uh, a woman saves a man, and he and John Wayne were real incensed by that, which is okay. okay I'm also whatever. very upset. <laughs> Turns out I'm sexist. Yeah. That's the reveal of this episode. But the thing is, Hawks always had strong women characters who probably would do something like that. So yeah. I don't understand... Whatever. I, I'm I'm not a man like, in the in the fifties, so what do I know? 
it's that trope I was talking about. You know, there are the actress and the, that that man from Rio. You know, eventually she's in the rescue the maiden kind yeah. of role. I mean, she is throughout the movie, but it, sometimes it seems like she's gonna get away, and then nope. No, she's not. She's not a hoxing woman. She's. I think. I feel like there's. A little bit, it pushed like a little bit more. She could have like been pushed into that like that quality, but not, not, not enough. Yep. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. So, uh, what are, oh, uh, what else was it? Oh, uh, Zorba the Greek came out nineteen sixty four. That's the mo- movie that Anthony Quinn, uh, our favorite Mexican actor, won an Oscar for. Mm-hmm. Just want to bring that up. Anthony Quinn was Mexican. Not yes, Ital- he's also my favorite Italian actor. <laughs> he was not Italian. He was not Greek. No. He wasn't Mediterranean. He was Mexican. It's called versatility, just like uh, Miguel uh, Estevez. Uh, Mar- uh, Martin Sheen? Yes. Think it's Miguel? No, yeah, I think it is Miguel. Yeah. Hold on. I'll look it up. Kind of Charlie is Carlos Estevez. See, and his brothers, something like that. Jose, is uh, is Joe Estevez? Jose Estevez? I don't. I never looked up his real name. Oh, never mind. Martin Sheen's real name is not uh, Miguel. Like I said, his name is Ramon Antonio Gerardo Estevez. No, Ramon. That's. I guess for his time, it would be a little too ethnic to be in Hollywood. With that doesn't even name. say the ethnicity of his parents <laughs> oh yeah uh, he's from oh I guess they're from B- B- Bermuda Belize? oh well I know, uh, but Charlie Sheen was in um, the Machete sequel as mm-hmm. uh, the president uh, Carlos Estevez so maybe he's Latino because uh, Rodriguez loves to put Latinos in cast Latino actors. I'm just finding out that Martin Sheen played No Night Chart. What? This is confusing. Never mind. It's not, not important. Let's get out of here. Okay. Yeah, this will come out in the vague future in... Uh, as of this recording, we have, I think, eight more episodes till we're done. It's a lot, a lot closer than I realized. So, mm. yeah. So about probably four months or so, but whenever this one, after when this one gets released, so. Yeah, I might. Yeah, I might. Uh, rush some more. I might do more episodes per month. If they have enough banked at, uh, and uh, banked up already, but yeah, so uh, uh, get ready to hear news for next season soon. Soon after hearing, soon after this episode, uh, yeah, Mayfrio is easily available. We're on Twitter, all those other places. Also, look forward. Uh, by the time this comes out, you'll probably be able to listen to brand new. Episodes of Please Don't Send Me in Outer Space 
I'm, I, it's just me interviewing people about science fiction movies and uh, a little bit about themselves. But uh, it's still going to be all dorky, dorky, dork, dork. And I'm sure that the two other hosts will probably make guest appearances when I forgive them for having lives. <laughs> yeah, Aaron's too busy having children. He's, he's, uh, he's got a son that's about to be born, so two kids yeah, all of a sudden. Yeah, he's too busy being a dad oh, all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got all his uh, <laughs> ultrasound fixtures right here. Don't you have these? Like, uh... All right. The show can be found on Twitter at PianoPlayerPod. Our email is still HighLowPod at gmail.com. You can find a show on Spotify, Podbean, and various other places where you can find podcasts. Our intro music is by Vivian Fop, and our cover art is by Sarah Roberts. You can find her art at SarahKathleenRoberts.com, and thank you for listening.